What have you asked yourself? What's the point of my life? What am I here for? From the time we're born, we're fed the story that life is random, a product of chance. But if that's true, why do we long for so much more? Why does it seem like the human soul is made for meaning, designed for direction? Here's why. God created you on purpose, for a purpose, and you are empowered for a specific focus in a particular place among certain people. Let's explore how you are wired by God. What's going on, Rise City Church? All right, I guess we should put out some inflatables more often. We got a little bit of a vibe going on right here. I like it. Hey, if uh, you've been with us for any uh, couple weeks, we've been going through the Wired series. Has anyone been enjoying the Wired series so far? Man, easy. You're making it easy right now. Um, So if you haven't been with us, though, uh, we've been going through the Wired series. And and what that is, we've been looking at what about you makes you uniquely you and how God created you for his good work. So it could be your, your talents, your gifts. Last week, we talked about the place that you are. All of it is part of how you are uniquely wired for how God wants to use you. Now, you might be looking at me right now and thinking, uh, this is not the, the usual guy, and he certainly doesn't look like the, the, the other guy, and is it potentially, uh, does he think it's the announcements? We just had an announcement video. Somebody help him. Pull him off the stage, quick. No, I, I'm excited to, for the first time, to be able to preach and share the word, and, and honestly, thank, thank you. Honestly, it's, it's an honor to be able to, to preach in this manner, because I've been coming to church here for a little over two and a half years, and, and this community is special. This is a community of, of, of doers and not consumers. And you might be thinking like, well, what gives, Zach? That's, that's the church, right? That's what the church does. We just go shoulder to shoulder, and we do exactly what you know, God wants us to do for our city. But unfortunately, so many churches out there, five to 10% of the people do all the work. But this is such a unique and powerful community. Just this last Monday, we had team night. Who was at team night? Anyone? Woo, let's go. So we had team night, and at team night, we had over 200 adults show up, take time out of their day, solely for the reason of growing with their team and seeing how they can be more effective for the kingdom. You know, it's, and the best part about it, I took a moment and I just kind of looked out and saw those 200 individuals that have stepped up and said, we want to do the work of the kingdom. And can I tell you that it is a mixed crown? We are a melting pot. You look around, you're like, oh, that person, how, why is that person talking to that person? Whoa, whoa, God's using that person? Holy cow. Like, it's, it's amazing. We have this incredible melting pot of a community from people of various stories and backgrounds and and, and it's, it's a special thing to see because God uses our stories exactly where we've been and where we are right now to do amazing things for his kingdom. So today we're going to be looking at story. A little bit of my background, uh, I grew up in the church. I was blessed enough to be born uh, to two parents that were in love uh, with Jesus and served him faithfully. Um, and in that, I too, I don't remember a moment not knowing Jesus, but thankfully I do remember the moment that my parents' faith became 
my faith. In high school, I, I, I moved on to a relationship with Jesus in a very real way and felt his calling and wanted to chase after that with everything that I am. And you can understand that in high school, that can be kind of a murky time, right? It's, there's a lot of things going on in high school, and, and there's a lot of challenges that happen in high school. And I was blessed enough that God gave me a best friend in high school who was also trying to do the very same thing. He was trying to follow after God the best he could. And so when summer hit, and, you know, we, we didn't have a ton of options like everyone else, you know, partying, drinking, all that great stuff, you know, it, it was kind of the scene of the crowd, but we would do what we could, we still would have fun. We would do what good Christian boys would do. And what did that look like? You know, we'd go over to one of each other's houses, you know, we would, we'd drink a lot of soda, play a lot of video games, eat a lot of pizza, and then there was this thing called energy drinks. Now, I'm... <laughs> I'm dating myself um, for any of, you know, Gen Zers in the room. I'm sorry. I'm dating myself. But listen, we were around for the creation of energy drinks. Like they were brand new to the market and we couldn't get enough. We were like, put these in our veins. I am shaking all night long. and It's incredible. How can I get this from a plaid pantry? How is this legal? Good question. Um, but we would, you know, so we would, we would, you know, drink these energy drinks. And right when that energy drink high started coming off around a very reasonable, you know, reasonable hour, 3.30, 4 a.m. time, we would tuck her into the couches and, and we'd put on the television. It was, it was kind of just became our routine. And we put on the television and you can imagine it's kind of sparse at 4 a.m. watching television. You had a couple options that were always tried and true. One would be infomercials. You know, we all had our favorites. We had a particular favorite that we always looked for. It was our first choice if we had it. It was an infomercial for the magic bullet. Now, oh, I hear the murmurs. I hear the murmurs. This is an excited crowd. See, if you don't know why we're murmuring and we're excited together, it's because you have never seen the glory of the magic bullet. This is an infomercial where they show you this thing can make anything, everything. And it would just do it like that, seconds. And you're like, oh, I want to make those things. I want to do those things. And it, would, it was like our life goal, dreaming high as high schoolers, we're like, our life goal is to get a magic bullet. It's like 30 bucks. This is not a very ambitious life goal. And to this day, I have never owned one. It's a very sad tale. But that was a rarer infomercial. It wasn't on every night, but we did have something that was, and it was like our tried and true. It was all reliable. And that was one Mr. Bob Ross. Yes, let's go. Now, if you don't know Bob Ross, but it sounds like a lot of you do, this is a, oh, look at that beautiful fro, the button up, the painting, I mean, the beard, everything about him is just this, this, this glorious man. And you can't hear him, but he, he just talks in just such a soft, nice voice. And, and basically, if you don't know who he is, the show was simply him under the guise of teaching us, which, I mean, if you don't know how to paint, you're not learning in 22 minutes. But he would teach us very carefully how to paint, and, and he, would, he would do a painting from beginning to end in this little, you know, half-hour episode. And we would originally, we would just watch him to drift off to sleep. This is before ASMR. Like, this is a, you know, a soothing voiced man coming through the speakers, and we kind of comment and eventually drift off to sleep at the reasonable hour of 4.30 or whatever it might be, and we were, we were all about him. He was our hero, but then something weird happened. We began to turn on good old Bob Ross. We started to root against Bob Ross. Now, I know that sounds weird, but let me explain. Every once in a while, Bob Ross would do a stroke of the brush so bold so outlandish that we would go, certainly you've ruined this painting, Bob. Certainly you've ruined it. I don't even know why you're still doing what you're doing. Throw this in the garbage. 
roll the credits. You will not come back from this. You have ruined this painting. And then out of nowhere, he puts a little this, a splash of that, and this big, bold stroke is a beautiful down tree in the middle of the forest with a couple baby raccoons hiding in it. Or maybe it's like a big, ugly red splotch in in what seemingly is a beautiful dark forest, and we're like, that's it. What are you doing? Red doesn't belong in this one, Bob. This is it. This is the time we see him fail. Let's go. And sure enough, it's a beautiful sunset. And it's when we're like, curses foiled again. Like we just really, like instead of it putting us to sleep, we were like riveted, watching, ready, hoping that Bob Ross would ultimately fail. But I got to tell you, we watch, I mean, probably 70, 80, 100 of these things over time. And he never missed Bob Ross never missed. He always came through and he always delivered just a beautiful painting at the end. And there's something interesting about looking at a painting being done from beginning to end. You see, you, you can see every brushstroke had intention. Every seemingly mistake was worked out in the end, and all that is left is a, masterbe- a masterpiece created by the creator. And when it comes to God, that masterpiece is you. Your story is that masterpiece. So as we look and try to figure out and understand our story, how do we do this? How do we look at what the world would say is random, is chaos, is, is just a, a series of events that, that really uh, you just were thrown upon you? How do we look at that and understand that our story has purpose and can be used by God mightily, that he uniquely made you, you? The first thing we need to do is accept our story. We're going to be looking at what it means to accept our story for what it is. The second is we're going to look and examine our story. We're going to go and and look and, and get deep into those individual moments. And the last and most importantly, we're going to use our story. It's so, what good is a story that God has uniquely created you to be you and you don't use this gift that he's given you? Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 1 through 10 today. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles around the room. If you don't own a Bible at all, please take that home. We want you in your word. That's a free gift to you. It'll also be on the screen behind me. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and in kindness kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship." Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Would you bow your heads with me, church? Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you into this room right here and right now, Lord God, as we examine our stories, which can often be a rough thing, Lord God. And I just pray that 
you would begin to whisper to our hearts, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal what needs to be revealed, that you would push us to examine what needs to be examined, Lord God, that you would motivate us to be used in a mighty way, Lord God. I pray a vulnerability, a spirit of vulnerability in this room right now as we examine what it truly means to have our story used by an amazing creator, God. In your name, amen. The first thing we need to look at is accepting our story. You see, so often when we think of accepting like our story and when we're forced to really look at our story, our minds run to the negative. We run to the negative. When we say, hey, look into your past, our, our minds instantly start thinking about every little thing we, don't, we wish weren't there or that we don't want anyone to know about us. We, we almost like if like right now as I'm talking, those stories are coming to you and you're worried that it's written across your forehead. And if anyone were to look, somehow they would know exactly the worst things that you've ever done. Our brain doesn't go to those ups and those highs. and No, we go to the, to the negative because it's, it's a natural thing of the enemy to push us and to say that your story, your baggage, all of it, how could God ever use your story? Dial into verse 4 here. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Paul makes it clear here that we as followers of Christ have two things. We are first, we are forgiven. What Jesus did on that cross, the blood that was poured out for our sins, we are forgiven. And no one, the world, not a snide remark, nothing can take that fact away. The second is this, we are redeemed. So not only are we forgiven, we are redeemed. And that is an important distinction here because redeemed means a price was paid and we are now his. That he paid something on the cross and now we belong to the family of God. And that means that your story belongs to the family of God. That means that anything, any mess up, any misstep in the future, you're still a member of the family of God. But that reality, and believe me, I know that reality can sometimes feel too good to be true, can it not? It's one thing to say it. And you can profess it, but to truly believe it and live in it is another. Because so often we, we, we look at ourselves and we think, how could I ever be good enough? We, we, we shy away from what was done on that cross and we start to look at ourselves. And here's the thing, the enemy loves this. The devil loves this. He loves to foster it and fuel it in you. He likes to push you into a corner because when that happens, it distances you from your calling. It distances you from being of good work for God. It distances you from doing and being someone that is furthering the kingdom. And that's his ultimate goal. I, uh, I know this very well. You see, uh, it wasn't too long ago that I found myself in a situation where, uh, to give you a little backstory, I, I told you I grew up in church and, and then high school and on fire for the Lord and uh, 
soon after that, I felt a calling, a real calling to ministry. And I went to Olympia, Washington, and went to a ministry school there. I spent a few years there. And then I came back to Portland, planted a church, was in ministry. But all of a sudden, I had found, in a series of events, I had found myself outside of ministry, outside of the church, even though I knew I should be going. And in being outside of the church, I continued to feel isolated and more and more depressed. And then in the midst of all of that, I found myself walking through a divorce. This was not a divorce that I was expecting. This was not a divorce that I was wanting. But here I was, completely broken. See, the thing of it, when you're out of community and you're isolated and you're hurting and being completely down, and I'm talking down and out, brokenhearted, can't get out of bed, sorrow, the enemy would do anything to keep you right there. But there is good news. I can tell you from my, my experience that when I reached out to God in those moments, he showed up. He was everything I always hoped he would be. You see, up until that, I lived a pretty charmed life. But all of a sudden, with the pain and the sorrow, and when I cried out to God, he showed up, and he heard me, and he comforted, and he listened. But I have even further good news than that, because the next thing he does is pushes you to get your butt back to church. You need to go back to church. And that terrified me because I was listening to the lies of the enemy. I immediately thought, they knew me. Rise knew me as a married man. So if I come through that door and I don't have my wife by my side, they're going to ask me. They're going to know. They will know that I am not worthy to be there. And I would listen to these lies. And, and God kept pushing and pushing, so much so that I got in the car a couple times, drove down the road, got all the way from one turn away, only to turn my car around, thinking and hearing the lies again. That you, you will not be welcome there. What will they think of you? What will they say? And I would drive back home. It wasn't until a series happened, uh, it was called Seasons, and we just recently redid that series not too long ago, but in its original fruition, Seasons happened, and there was a, a, a promo video, and there was a man's voice on that promo video, and, and eerily I watched and listened as it laid out my story beat by beat, that his story was exactly what I was going through right now. And now I'm not so conceited that I would think God would make Rise do an entire series just for me, but it, it really felt like that. <laughs> it really did. And so I said, okay, God, I'll go. You win. I'll go to all eight weeks of that series and see exactly what you have for me, and we'll go from there. It doesn't mean I wasn't terrified. It doesn't mean that when I got in that car, I didn't want to pull a U-turn, but I committed to God that that is what I would do. I would see how he could use me being back in church and coming back into community and see how he'd use it. And I will tell you, God delivered. Because I came into a community of people that were, were doing the work and living out who Jesus is. I was met with, with a welcome arms. I was met with, with, with restoration and, 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 and comforting words and people speaking truths. Honestly, it led to a season of forgiveness in my life. Because you see, the thing is, we, God doesn't paint accidentally. There are no accidental strokes. 
Everything about you was washed in the blood and is for his purpose. He can use all of it for his good works. There is nothing he can't do through it. And it's only then when we begin to accept that, that we accept that safety of our amazing God and how he has washed our story in the blood. And he's also washed every future moment in the blood that we can then begin to safely examine our story. Key back in Ephesians 2 verse 5 says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here we see Paul has a clear understanding of mountain highs and valley lows. Peaks and valleys, we already kind of talked about it. Those are what stand out, right? Peaks and valleys. Valleys first, the bad first, but peaks are not there much further after. In fact, we've been doing this wired groups. Has anyone been going to the wired groups at all? Yeah, heck yeah. So anyone that's been going to the wired groups, those are for people that are wanting to go deeper into what we've been going over in this series. And it's looking at your giftings and, and, and how God's made you and story even. And actually, story was the first week. It's a, it was addressed in the first week. And they would do an exercise. You would, you would take all these sticky notes, little yellow sticky notes, and you would spend 20, 30 minutes just listing out, listing out, listing out every event, place, whatever that is significant in your life. And you just list these out. Boom, 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 boom. And then once you done, you kind of look at that and go, wow, okay, I've got a lot of stuff in, in my life. But then comes the red sticky notes. Red's bad, y'all. I don't know if you know that red is, usually means bad, but red is bad. And what you would do is you take those red sticky notes and you'd begin to replace any sticky note that you had a negative connotation towards, anything that you view as a negative. And so you'd go and replace that one and, oh, yeah, that was a hard season. And you would replace it. And at the end, you would have this picture. You would have this this, this, this overarching look of your life and, and really how much of, of the, the, the valley lows you had and the mountain highs you had, and it would give you a very clear picture. Now, the good is fun, right? Can we all agree? It's fun to look back at good times. That's why we reminisce when we're sitting with friends. That's why we might lose hours and go, we didn't even ask about our lives in the, like right now. We just talked about all the good times and all the things we've done. Because when you look back, those, those, those peaks, they're, they're celebratory. They're awesome. And they're not bad. They, we can learn so much when we examine our peaks. Uh, David, in the book of Psalms, he often would recount the deeds of the Lord. He would name every great thing he did. And you know what it would lead to? It would lead to him singing about that and then immediately praising God for how good he is. Because you see those great things. You see, oh, I loved this job that I had, and I learned all these skills. And even though I'm not there anymore, man, God used it to help me be able to serve people in this way. Or, oh, this friend in my life who, who really changed my life for those two years. We're a little out of touch, and I should really reach out. But man, the things they invested in me in that season, still to this day, God uses. And it's amazing. Like, we can see a lot of great things from the, from the peaks, and it's easy to look at them. It's easy to look at them. But the bad times, we can all admit those are a little rough. Those are hard to look at. You see, when we look at those bad times, it, it, it drums up every emotion again. It can't not. It's there. You relive those memories. You relive those moments. You look, and it's every layer you peel away, it hurts. 
And so we so often want to shy away from those. We want to put those in the back and never look at them. But we have to examine that part of our story too to understand how God uniquely used those situations to make you who you are today and to be of use for his kingdom. I had to examine my story. I had to take the time to dig through all those moments that I was not excited about, specifically in that last season that I came out of. I had to pull every little bit away to see how God has used it to make me today. And can I be honest, church? I hate, I hate that you know that part of my story. I do. I don't relish in the fact that, you know, I have to actively fight against the lies of the enemy of going, who here didn't know that I was a divorced man? Who here didn't know that I had a season outside of the church? I have to fight against those notions because I need to be of use for the kingdom. You see, it's only when you start to look at that and you start to examine and you start to turn over every little rock you realize that our God does not waste paint. No wasted moments. He uses all of that has happened and transpired mightily to make us who we are today. It's when we examine these, we start to grasp it. We start to see it. And I had to pull apart because it's like you look at that and you say, there's nothing good, but thank you, Lord, now. There's nothing good. The, the divorce, the, the season outside of the church, that, that was garbage. But thank you, Lord, for now. But he says, look also for where you could thank me there. Look also for where I took a terrible thing and worked alongside you, worked alongside of it to make it out for your good. Even out of the rubble, I will still pick out gems to better you and strengthen you for my kingdom. I'll tell you what, guys. I have an empathy now that I never had before. See, I lived a pretty charmed life up until that point, and I would you would tell me your, your, your sorrows, you would tell me how you were hurting, you would be telling me what you were going through, and I felt bad, and I did care, but I couldn't quite connect to the sorrow you were feeling. But I tell you what now, when somebody, you know, I, somebody tells me that they, they lose an unborn child, I weep. I don't have to have experienced that, but I know what it means to be at the very bottom. I know what it means to experience true sorrow, and I wouldn't compare the two. They're very different, but I can connect with them. I can empathetically connect with them in a way that I never did. If it, somebody's going through a loss, maybe their house burnt down, maybe they lost everything they own, their car, so you can identify that this means so much to them. And the sorrow they're feeling, I can feel it too. The understanding, and honestly, the can I tell you, as much as I hate to tell you my story, and I hate that you know it, to be honest, the amount of times those who have known my story, the amount of times I have been texted or people approach me or talk to me and say, I'm going through that too. What can you give me? How can you speak into my life? God uses your story. He and there's something powerful about connecting with a brother or sister that has gone through almost exactly what you've gone through. You know how to pray. You know what they need. You are uniquely made in a way that can minister to them like no one else could. And that goes into exactly what the next part is. The most important part, I think. 
And that is that we need to use our story. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Don't miss that, church. We were what? Created in Christ for what? Good works, right? Created in Christ for good works that we, us the church, you the individual, should walk in them. We are not called just to accept our story or just examine our story and stop there. No, we are called to use our story and everything that comes with it, the lessons, the gifts, the empathy, the insights, all of it needs to be used for the kingdom, now, I told you I came back to Rise, right? And there was a, just an amazing season of just restoration and healing and forgiveness. And, 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 and some of my dearest friends have come from this church. And I was happy. Ben Gomez, I was going for about a year at that point, and I was happy and, and overjoyed. But a year in, I was missing something. I didn't realize it, but I was missing a key part of what God had for me, and I didn't even know it. It wasn't until this thing happened. Um, you might have heard of it. It's called COVID. <laughs> oh, you have heard of it. Oh, awesome. I don't know if it's still happening. It kind of seems to change every other day. It's like, it is happening. It's not happening. It's on. It's off. I don't know. I never know. Um, but COVID happened, the first one, COVID part one. It's kind of like, like an like a, a anthology series, right? So COVID part one happened, and what happened? We, we shut down the church. We shut down the church. We're like, everyone's like, we got to shut down the church. We don't know what's happening. We got to shut down. So we shut down the church and, and we did church online, but nobody watched that. So we quickly pivoted. We're like, we can't. All right. Well, thanks guys. No one showed up. And I'm so glad you didn't watch it because man, it led to the next best thing, which was, uh, it was house church. Is anyone part of the house church? Now, those of you that weren't part of a house church, you might be like, cool. So this was a church that you, you went to each other's house. And, and you just went, no, it was here. So I don't know why it was called house church, but it was in this building. But basically what it was is we would mix it up and we, we would all go into our, you would have all these individual service times and you weren't allowed to go outside of your service time. And it would be a service for 20, 30, 40 people, depending on the room and the space allowed. And, and you would get to just do ministry with them. You weren't allowed to cross, you couldn't go to any others because the bubble, remember the bubble? Keep your bubble. Keep your COVID bubble. So we would do that. We kept our COVID bubbles. And so we would, uh, but we would meet. And it was a really great time. And you got to connect with people that you never normally would, which is really just incredible. But I also, it was a blessing because I, I got, in my group, was led by none other than Jason Clark, our, our head pastor. And so I was like, oh, sick! Head pastor, you know, I, I, it would be great to get to know him even more and see him just do his thing in a smaller setting. And man, I'm really excited about it. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Something happens when you put a head pastor in a cage, guys. When you put him in a, a smaller environment, he's like, who can I grow and push? And, make? and he's going to push you, and he's going to stretch you. And I remember specifically there was a time where I got a text message, and I look at it, and it's like, Bing, oh, Jason, he's texting me. And I look, and, I, and it says, hey, man, would you be willing to lead communion next week? And I went, man. 
no, I don't want to do this. Like immediately the anxiety that came over to me. And to give you a picture, I hadn't done anything with a speaking gift at all since leaving the church and, and, and then going through that season and coming back. And so the idea of it just tensed me up with just anxiety and fear and, and all these emotions. But having no valid excuse and it being my head pastor asking, I replied, yeah, totally, smiley face, send. <laughs> and so I'm stressing and I'm worried about it. And guess what? The time comes and it goes well. God uses it. It's a powerful time in ministry. And afterwards, Jason comes and he, he talks to me. Uh, and he says a lot of kind things and, and, and they were really nice. But one thing stuck out. The Holy Spirit used Jason in that moment as, as he looked me in the eyes and said, I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Your past does not disqualify you from using the gifts God gave you. My mind was blown because you see, I never would have named that. It was back there somewhere, but I wasn't living. I was in the best season of my life, but I had disqualified myself. As soon as he named it, I knew it to be true. I knew that at the end of the day, I had decided that my story and who it made me was no longer worthy to be used by Jesus. Let's key into verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, church, God hadn't disqualified me. And he certainly, certainly hasn't disqualified any of you. Your story is not random. It is not chaos. It is not happenstance. It's not the universe. You have been purposely and wonderfully made by an almighty creator for some inconceivable, incredible reason, a creator that chooses to partner with us for his great works. Something is happening here in Gresham Church. There is a movement happening, and I truly believe it. I truly believe we will see heaven come crashing into earth here. As, as Jason said last week, in Gresham as it is in heaven, and God could do it all on his own, but instead he chooses to partner with us. He says, look at your story. Look where I intervened. Look where I comforted, where I conquered, where I pushed, where I prodded, where I pulled. All of which has uniquely suited you to be who you are. No one can do exactly what you can do for the kingdom. You are his lovingly brushed out masterpiece. No wasted strokes. Certainly no wasted paint. Church, this is, this is big. And I don't want you to miss it. Would you hear the call that you have on your life? Would you understand that you are not disqualified from it no matter what you've experienced? Would you step up to that call and be of service to him in only the way that you could? Would you go into this lobby 
and talk to someone that you've never spoken to before because you don't know where they are. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know if they've never met Jesus before. Speak to them. Love on them. Would you go past those walls? Go into your jobs or your school or your hairdresser or, or your, your, your favorite coffee shop or, or a Super Bowl party and go there with an intent to do the good works in Jesus' name in the only way that you could. Souls are on the line here, guys. People are on the line here. Can we be a people of intent? Could we go into situations not wondering and being selfish of how I'm going to do this and what can I get out of this or this interaction, but know that we would go into every single interaction with an intent to be used uniquely in the way that God has made you. He has chosen you for his work, so can we live it out, church? Can we do it? Can we step up to it? Will you be his hands? Will you be his feet? Will you understand how your story has made you unique and not shy away from the ugly stuff? That you will dissect it. You will grow stronger from it. You will go beyond your own comfort to reach a city that is desperately in need. Can we do this, church? Bow your heads with me. God, we are thankful for what you're doing in this church. We are thankful for what you're doing in Gresham. And Lord, I know we have gone through quite a bit here today, Lord. And I know we might have, have riled up the riverbed and there's dust and there's muck. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room who might be struggling with that, that they would not tamper it down, but that they would engage it, that they would walk through it, that they would examine it. Lord, I pray for every single person here that they would know that they are uniquely called that they would know that they are not disqualified. God, that they would know that your love surpasses all understanding and that they are worthy to be of work in your kingdom. Jesus, heal the brokenhearted. Jesus, encourage the down and out. King of kings, we love you and we praise you and we will be a people of work for your kingdom. Lord, we pray as it is in heaven that it would be in Gresham here and now. It would be in our workplaces. It would be in our families. It would be in every place that we go that you would conquer there because we are a people of intent who love you dearly. Jesus, let this not be forgotten. Let this not just be a conversation on the ride home and then thrown away. Lord, let this be the torch that we carry as we move through being your unique workmanship. Lord, we submit this time to you in your holy and righteous name. Amen.